You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday. A lot to talk about in today's show. We've got some updated info on the tiebreaker scenario for the Pelicans when they go to Orlando. It's not great. They kind of get screwed in all of this, which I think is okay, but I'll break it down for you all, what's going on, what it all means, and we can look start to look at the Pelicans' path towards the playoffs over these now final eight regular season seeding games or whatever they're calling it. We're also going to talk about Drew Brees, his very eventful weekend, and some of uh, the way he went from his statement on Thursday, Friday, whenever it was, to uh, Sunday and so on and so forth. He had an interesting 48 hours, 72 hours or so. And then finally, we return and we'll wrap up everything going on with the all-time Pelicans roster. And I'll give you my two wildcard spots since we've got the backcourt set, the frontcourt set. And we want to put two more guys on there that are worthy of the recognition. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. So as it storms here in New Orleans currently when I'm recording this, which is on Monday and we're still getting the remnants of Cristobal and everything here. So the Pelicans are not one of the, I've heard this phrase, I think it was coined by John Hollinger, which is really great, the Delete 8 Get it? The Elite Eight, Delete Eight of the eight teams that weren't invited to Orlando to continue on with the NBA season, basically just being deleted from everything as we go forward. Pelicans aren't one of them. They're one of the 22 going in, and maybe the NBA made specific concessions to get the Pelicans in Zion in there. In 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 essence, a cash grab, which I think is fine, all things considered. Why not? Um, you know, and I think it's totally okay if they did. I've explained that. And so they're one of the teams in there. We all knew every team was going to play eight games when this was announced late last week, Thursday or so. And I talked about it on Friday's show, but we didn't know how the tiebreakers were going to work. And this was going to be a big deal because with every team playing exactly eight games, the same amount of games, you're going to have teams that finish with uneven records because they haven't played the same amount of games. The Portland Trailblazers have played two games more than the New Orleans Pelicans have. The Memphis Grizzlies have played one more game than the New Orleans Pelicans have. That creates issues because you won't finish with the same record then potentially. And so how do you factor in tiebreakers or how is this all going to work? That was a gigantic question we had, particularly for the Pelicans, because frankly, they're in good position when it comes to these tiebreakers. And we've got a bit of an update on it. It's not great for Pelicans fans. They have one chance really at a tiebreaker that's going to be over the Sacramento Kings, but sweeping the Portland Trailblazers, they essentially have lost that. There's no chance that they really are going to tie with the Memphis Grizzlies. So again, they're going to lose a potential tiebreaker there because those teams will have played at least four times after these eight games are done already. And the Pelicans are already up 2-0, so they only need to win one of those games to have gotten the tiebreaker over the Grizzlies. So the Pelicans come in. 
maybe in the best position to catch the Grizzlies and get into the eighth spot, but a massive, massive disadvantage, frankly, because of this. That's okay. I said all along, this wasn't going to be fair. Fair goes out the window when you're having to restart after a global pandemic, which no one is prepared for, which the CBA isn't prepared for, which the standings aren't prepared for, all of this stuff. You know, and this was going to be unfair to some team. You know, it's maybe unfair to the Memphis Grizzlies that the Pelicans got in in the first place and have a chance. And now it's unfair to the Pelicans that they lose a lot of the tiebreakers here and all of that. So I don't particularly care about fair. I'm not going to whine and complain about all of it. The Pelicans have a chance. It's all you can ask for. And we're in unprecedented territory. So you know what? There's going to be unprecedented things going on around it. So the way it's going to work, though, is winning percentage is what's going to determine the standings at the end of these eight games. Not your wins, not your losses, your winning percentage. And that's going to be a really important thing. The Pelicans right now have a winning percentage, and this puts them in eight, in 10th in the West. They are have a winning percentage of 43.8%. The Portland Trailblazers, who are the same amount of games back from the Memphis Grizzlies, three and a half as the Pelicans are, but played two more games. They have one more win, one more loss. If you take those two games, one more win, one more loss, that's a winning percentage of 500 there. That is going to eke up their winning percentage. They have a winning percentage of 43.9%, 0.1% more than the Pelicans. Now, this wouldn't matter if you were playing in all 82 games because you'd end up with the same record. And frankly, if you finished with the, or you'd end up playing all 82 games, so everyone's played the same amount of games, you finish with the same record, you have the same winning percentage. But because that's not going to happen here, that winning percentage becomes more important. Doesn't matter that the Pelicans swept the Portland Trailblazers. If they both have the same record going forward, then the, then the Portland Trailblazers are going to have a better winning percentage than the Pelicans do. And they will then fight the Grizzlies for the eighth spot and the Pelicans will get left out. It's disappointing that, you know, all that work kind of goes to waste. But again, it's just kind of one of those things. I don't really know what else to say. Like it is what it is. Records are going to be weird with this. The Pelicans do have a chance to have a tiebreaker with the Sacramento Kings. They are 1-0 on them this season, a win over the Kings in Sacramento when J.J. Redick hit that game-winning shot, basically, that scoop with the left hand. They are both sitting at 28-36. and 36. So if Portland doesn't do well in this and New Orleans and the Sacramento Kings tie for ninth, let's say, well, the tiebreaker might come into play there because they'll play each other at least once during this, likely twice. So there'll be three games. So you'll have a clear uh, advantage in that. That's where a tiebreaker might come into play. And that's probably it. So when you look at it this way, the Pelicans need to have a better record than Portland. And they also need to have at least the same record as the Memphis Grizzlies to try and get into this. They can have the same record potentially as the Sacramento Kings as long as they have the tiebreaker over them. It's not great if you're a Pelicans fan, but it is what it is. And I've said all along, even if some of the rules came out or news came out that screwed the Pelicans over in this, and I don't even think it's screwing them over. It just it is what it is. I was going to be fine with it because we're in such weird territory as we are. And here we are kind of putting my money where my mouth is with all of that. So tiebreaker does not go in their, their favor. We'll have some more updates and news coming on this stuff, I'm sure, in the next couple days as they figure out a lot of the logistics. Uh, but that's where it stands with the tiebreaker, which was the biggest question we had going into this. Not in the Pelicans' favor.
We'll get into the Drew Brees stuff and finish off the all-time Pelicans roster here in just a few moments. But today's show brought to you by Built Bar. These things are amazing. They've become my lunch daily after my workout right around 11, 30, 12 or so. After that, want to get some protein in me. I eat one of these bars because they absolutely taste delicious. They're a low calorie. You can use them as a meal replacement and they've got protein and everything you want in there. Basically just kind of perfect. They're also delicious. They are soft, easy to chew and are covered in 100% real chocolate. A lot of bars are just chalky. They taste bad. They, they're they dry. They make your mouth dry. They make you like gasping for water. These things do not do it. And that is one of the big reasons why I eat these basically daily now. You can get the peanut butter brownie. It's got 20 grams of protein, 117, 170 calories, three grams sugar, three grams net carbs, or the one that I'm going to probably have in my next order, the mint brownie, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, four grams sugar, four grams net carbs. If you compare these to other bars, and I've used other bars before, these things beat them out. Go compare them to any of the ones that you've been trying, and you're going to end up liking Built Bars more. And if you really want to try them, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code Locked On for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk about Drew Brees a little bit here. I know this is Locked On Pelicans, not Locked On Saints. And Locked On Saints with Ross Jackson is covering the heck out of this story. And he's got a very good perspective that you want to listen to. But I put a lot of thoughts out there on Twitter about this over the weekend. And man, Drew Brees and the Saints and all of New Orleans with this had a very eventful ride over 72 hours or so. I don't think I really need to catch you up on exactly what happened. Drew Brees was asked about NFL players kneeling for the flag and came out with a very tone-deaf statement in everything, showing that over the past four years, he has willfully, and this is a choice he made, not understood why players were kneeling, even though it's been spelled out for such an unbelievably long time. And the backlash was swift. His own teammates publicly calling him out on social media. Former teammates, Malcolm Jenkins, told him to shut the fuck up. That's a pretty strong statement. Drew Brees then the next day put out a PR statement that was better than what you might have expected, showing he really listened, understood some of the kneeling and why that it wasn't about the flag and disrespecting America or the troops or anything like that, and really seemed to actually, for the first time, understand why players kneeled and what this was all about and what the message truly was. That is a step in the right direction, even if, if it, it was done as a PR move. It's still a thing that's positive because at least maybe for the first time he heard it all. Even if he doesn't believe with it and agree with them, he at least heard it. And I think that is an important thing. But it does lead to a lot of questions about Drew Brees. I got asked on Twitter if I thought Drew Brees was racist. And I said, you know, uh, probably not, I don't think. But it is a question and I understand why people might have questioned it after some of all of this happened. And then things escalated, and this is where there seemed to be a real turning point. President Trump called out Drew Brees saying he shouldn't have apologized, he shouldn't have walked back what he said, that people should stand and all that. You know, it's, it's normal crap. And this is where President Trump basically drew a line in the sand for Drew Brees and also gave Drew Brees the biggest lifeline he ever could have had to get some credibility back with his teammates and others given what the nation is going through right now. And I wondered whether he would take it. He clearly does not think people should kneel for 
the national anthem, even if he now understands why they were kneeling. You can feel both of those things. You can say, I, pr- I prefer if people didn't do this because of other things with it, but I get why they're doing it. That's a still st- a step in the right direction. And with everything he believes, he clearly doesn't think people should kneel. We know that. And... You know, so I thought he might be quiet when Trump called him out, you know, arguably the most powerful person on the planet and someone who will just badger the hell out of you if he disagrees with you in a very public manner to try and start these fights. Trump is also someone he's friends with. Go back to the LSU national title game over Clemson in the Superdome. They took like a selfie together with Drew Brees and his family and President Trump. So when Trump put this out, you know, it was going to be interesting to see how Brees responded. And he responded well. He came out and basically rebuked the president. Now he had to because of his teammates and everything. But here, So here's the thing. I don't think a PR move is going to make you stand up to the president and the more backlash that can come with it. Now this certainly got the players back in his favor. And with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara tweeting emojis, They clearly had some hand in crafting the statement that Drew Brees said in response to the president, directly in response to the president. But I think Drew Brees has had a realization on all of this. And yes, you can have that realization, I think, over 48 hours and 72 hours. No one faults people for growing and learning more and becoming more educated on something. I don't like when people look at someone and be like, well, in the past they said this. You don't want to be a static person. You want to grow and change, you know, ideally for the better. And you can do that. And maybe Drew Brees actually has done that because I don't think you stand up to someone who can cause you a hell of a lot more trouble in President Trump if you didn't actually believe in this stuff or want to say that stuff. PR move isn't going to do that, I don't think. So I think to stand up to the president like this, he truly believed in some of the things he said. And I think the meetings with his team and realizing how much he hurt those guys really actively played a part in that. And I think it's awesome that he stood up for the right thing and shows that people can learn, even a short period of time. He might not grasp all of it, and there's more that needs to be done. This is a good first step. That's what it is, only a first step for Drew Brees. But I think it sends a very big message to both the Saints organization and the Pelicans organization, too, because they are so tied together. So credit to Drew Brees where it's deserved, just as the criticism was deserved, too. But I think he really understood how hurtful his comments were before when maybe he didn't. And now it's nice to see that these movements, Black Lives Matter and all of that, are really having a positive effect and tangible change on people who seem pretty entrenched in their ideology before. So it was very cool to see that from Drew Brees. A lot more work needs to be done. And you've got to wonder about what his involvement with the Pelicans and the Saints and all their their committees for change are going to be going forward because he's probably the most visible person in all of this. And if he can kind of have those moments where he it, it gets through to him and it really does when it didn't before and he's at least opening his ears up to everything. It's positive. I was happy to see that over the weekend. And in a time when things can really get you down, that was an encouraging sign to see. So we'll touch on the all-time Pelicans roster, wrap that up in just a minute. But today's show also brought to you by Blinkist. You're stuck at home, uh, and this is a great time to work on self-improvement. We don't normally get this kind of free time or time where we can just sit and listen to things, when it's whether it's you're working from home and not running from meeting to meeting, not spending time in the car with kids and all of that. You have an opportunity for real growth, personal development, and that's why Blinkist is my secret weapon. I used it on my commute to the office normally, Monday through Friday. 
Friday. And now I've got it when I've got, I'm on like a Zoom meeting and you don't really want to listen. You can have it playing in the background, all of that stuff. There's great opportunities to find the time to sit down, to read and learn more. And Blinkist just makes it even easier for you. It's really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. And Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. They've got some of the biggest books of the moment out there too. There's The White Fragility, which I listened to the other day by Robin D'Angelo. That was the story of the American Airlines CEO reading that uh, on the uh, Southwest flight with the black uh, uh, flight attendant and them having having a really good conversation about all of that. There's Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. All of these, they're 15 to 20 minutes that you can get the key takeaways from all of these without having to read the full book. It's really great. It's great when you're just kind of busy and on the go. And Blinkist, like I said, is my secret weapon for all of this. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for just one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com MBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com MBA to start your seven-day free trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. So on Wednesday's show, we're going to do some, a little bit of fundraising stuff. Um, and I've got some stuff coming from the Locked On Podcast Network too, which is going to be really, really cool that I'm excited about. We'll talk about that then. But today, let's finish up the all-time Pelicans roster. We've got to look at the two wild card spots. So we've, I think the guards are set. Those have been set. Those were the easiest things to do. Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Pistol Pete, Baron Davis. Done easy. The... Front court, also pretty simple. David West, uh, Anthony Davis, Truck Robinson, Peja Stoyakovich. I like having Tyson Chandler on there alongside Jamal McGlure. I think those are the six guys. P.J. Brown, you, you kind of want to put him in there, but just leave him off. Same thing with Ryan Anderson. Anderson, I think, can make a case for one of the two wild card spots. So I want to put a front court guy in there. I also want to have a back court guy in there, a guard in there. The guard, I think, comes down to really two people. And it's tough, I think, between these two. And it's going to be Tyreek Evans and David Wesley. Slightly different players in all of this, but Tyreek Evans, being the more recent guy, has actually played more games in a Pelicans Hornets uniform. He had 202 games played, whereas David Wesley had 160 games played. But when you look at the minutes, it's actually uh, shockingly close. They're only off by about 300 minutes or so total. So it's not significant. Um, and it shows kind of that their roles were different. David Wesley averaged with New Orleans 15.2 points per game alongside 3.3 assists and 2.5 rebounds per game. Also shot four threes per game, making 37% of them. And he did this all averaging 35 minutes per game. Tyreek Evans on the other hand, a little bit different, average 30 minutes per game, basically 15 points per game, so very similar, but more rebounds in 4.8 and more assists in 5.6. Three-point shot wasn't there, 30.2% from three during his time here. He had some good moments with it, but other times, not so much. 
I lean, like I said, this one's tough for me. I kind of, I could go either way and you could probably convince me easily on either one. I'm going to go with Tyreek Evans. I like the, the, you know, though the minutes are close, he has played more. I think they're a bit of a different style of player and someone that can kind of really lead that second unit, maybe with Pistol Pete coming off the bench uh, with him, giving you enough shooting there. I think Tyreek Evans makes a lot of sense. That was the role they originally envisioned for him and it just didn't work out, did injuries and all that stuff. And injuries really, really hurt hurt Tyreek Evans in this um, but I think you kind of have to give him the nod it's not easy I'm not like thrilled about throwing him in on this but I think he just edges in over David Wesley with it in terms of your front court player I do kind of lean towards Ryan Anderson looking at the roster that we've built um, you have a lot of bigs, a lot of centers. You need another stretch guy, I think, on this roster um, with it all. And when you look at it, he played 203 games for New Orleans, was a threat off the bench, 16 points per game, 37% shooting from deep. I think that's pretty good. Also gave you six rebounds per game. At times, his offensive rebounding was very good, averaging 2.2 per game. It just makes sense to kind of round out the roster. Is he the most deserving? Like, yeah, I think he's more deserving than P.J. Brown, especially because we're only looking at New Orleans play here. Um, Never made an all-star game, which hurts, I think, a little bit. But frankly, four seasons is a lot. When you look at the history of this franchise, and that's who I'm going to give it to. So those are the final two wild card spots. I think of the current guys that could make it, Zion, obviously, Lonzo Ball, depending on how he continues to grow, could easily make it. You could almost, almost argue that Brandon Ingram should be on this already after one season with the lack of depth at the wing position. We can't do that. That's not the right thing. But it's not that far up. So your roster is going to be Chris Paul, Drew, Pistol, Baron Davis, Anthony Davis, David West, Chuck Robinson, Peja, Tyson, McGlore, along with Tyreek Evans and Ryan Anderson. You know, I'd be curious to see where you rank this against all-time rosters. It's probably not very high, though your guards are pretty good, especially your first three guards. Baron kind of holding up the rear in that just a little bit, but overall a pretty good roster, I think. So there you go. That's my all-time Pelicans roster. And... That's where we're going to end this edition of Locked On Pelicans. More to come on Wednesday, including some fundraising things and some very great things that the Locked On Podcast Network is doing to do some matching as well with our hosts. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget, check out the sponsors, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On and Blinkist uh, as well if you want to kind of learn a little bit more about everything that's going on. Blinkist.com slash NDA. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Wednesday. <laughs>